Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, and I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. Dear 20-something started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful woman they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts we process internally, Dear 20-something is a space where listeners can hear insights, ask questions, and ultimately get advice from the woman they most admire. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Tracy Tudor. Continuously being ranked in the top 10 at Douglas Elliman, Tracy Tudor is an integral part of their sports and entertainment division. She is an undeniably strong presence and a confidence that has propelled her into the rooms of some of the most powerful people in LA, representing some of the most noteworthy brands in real estate and iconic architects such as Frank Geary, John Lautner, and Pierre Koenig. Tracy has consulted for the luxury five-star hotel and resort, Amangiri in Canyon Point, Utah, on the sales of over $400 million in branded real estate. From being the first female real estate broker on Million Dollar Listing LA, Tracy's on-screen persona is revealed in her instant Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word. A 21-year veteran in luxury real estate sales, Tracy is currently leading an exclusive virtual series intended to empower women using her raw and always uncensored attitude with one singular mission. Provide a no-nonsense guide to analyzing big egos, deflecting power plays, and taking control of any room. A native to California, Tracy has lived all over Los Angeles, from Hidden Hills to the Hollywood Hills. Growing up the daughter of Ronald Tudor, one of the most successful civil and building contractors in the country, Tracy was introduced to real estate at an early age. Shortly after graduating from the University of Southern California, she went to work for her father, acquiring a wealth of knowledge and a steadfast work ethic. After almost three years at Tudor Perini, Tracy transitioned into a career in residential real estate and has never looked back. While expanding her business worldwide and taking on more new developments, Tracy strives to maintain a work-life balance by spending time with her family and friends. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Tracy Tudor. We like to start every show with a fun question. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is something new you learned this week? It can be a new business you're excited about, an interesting fact you learned, maybe from a book or an article you read. Maybe it was a conversation you had that made you... Well, (laughs) I'll tell you. Uh, I've added to the list of people who not to trust in business and in life, attorneys. We're done with them. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Good. To- so, you know, I do think that oftentimes attorneys can kind of get in the way of a deal getting done. I mean, they're there for a purpose and, you know, God bless the people that go to school and make an effort and spend their time and money, parents' money and, you know, their education focusing on law. Great, great, like, business. However, I do think that oftentimes attorneys can get in the way of deals getting done from business dealings to divorces, just all around in general. I think they're more, you know, hourly focused than they are on actually getting people to the finish line and actually getting deals done and getting people connected. So 
as I get older, I think I get a little bit more cynical. And I know that this is for 20 something. So I'll do my best to remain positive. But, you know, if I'm being totally candid, I had an attorney, you know, hold up a deal for me this week. And well, two attorneys, and it just has gotten to the point where they got in the way more than they actually added value. And right now in my life, if you don't add value, don't bother being in my life. Totally. Well, I appreciate you keeping it real. That's all we want here. So, you know, your experience is so valuable. Just share it like it is. That's why you're here. Listen, I mean, it's a great career path because you're going to make a ton of money. I mean, most attorneys are hired by the hour. And when you're making $450 an hour, you kind of want to drag it out. Or, you know, some my divorce attorney made $750 an hour. Luckily, he was a good attorney and wanted to get me to the finish line rather than drag out you know, my divorce and charge me a ton of money. So there's value, I think, in, in being an attorney. And, and if you're good at it, then you will bill tons of hours and drag out deals longer than they needed need to be had. But the truth is, it's just not my, it's, you know, not my favorite path. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I feel like with real estate, it's actually not at all about the time you put in. It's about getting the deal done. So like you could sell a house in, you know, a short amount of time. You don't care. You know, you just get one paycheck, right? So it's sort of like a different philosophy, real estate and law. Like they're trying to rack up hours, whereas you're trying to minimize because you you just care about the final paycheck, right? Well, the truth is, I mean, we work for free until we close. And on some deals, they aren't short. Some deals are eight months. Sometimes you look for a buyer for two years before they finally find their dream home. And sometimes they never buy. So, you know, maybe that is a little bit of why I have a, a, you know, that bitter pill um, about that. And, you know, oftentimes in my business, particularly in, in high end and in luxury, when you're trying to get to the finish line and a buyer wants to buy and the seller wants to sell, and you got two attorneys standing in the way of that. That's where, you know, my sentiment comes from. But in real estate, we don't appreciate an hourly outlook on things because where we come from, we're in it sort of through thick and thin. We're selling the greatest asset someone has or looking for the biggest asset they most likely have. So for us, you know, sometimes that paycheck could be $20,000 and sometimes it amounts to a heck of a lot more. It doesn't mean the work is any different. Totally. And like you said, in the luxury market, it just can take a lot longer because the pool of buyers, I'm sure, is smaller. So thank you for sharing your fun fact of the week. I think uh, that's that's really interesting and hilarious. So we're going to start at the very beginning on the show. We're going to chat through your 20s. But before we get there, I'd love to chat with you about your childhood. So when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, to be honest with you, I, I really wanted to be a judge. I know. Imagine that. Me with an opinion. <laughs> I grew up watching like divorce court and like people's court and like Judge Judy. I know that sounds weird. Like people were coming home and watching like, you know, Jem. I mean, this is again before all your time, but you know, whatever these kids come home today and watch, but I would come home and watch like all these judges. And I just, I loved listening to the argument, but again, I never wanted to be the attorney. I always wanted to be the person sitting in the chair that was like, all right, I've heard both of your arguments and I'm feeling like I'm leaning towards a plaintiff and I'd like to award them some monetary funds for their anguish, you know? And so I told my mom, that's what I wanted to do. My dad actually applauded it as well. But, you know, later as I got a little bit older, and by the way, had I gone that route, I'd probably be a lot better off today. <laughs> I'd actually have more money, but I didn't. I got more into theater and the arts and I was dancing and singing and I, I began acting and doing a bunch of onstage stuff. And so my path kind of went in a different direction as I entered my teens and my early 20s. 
Yeah, you're totally right. The the law thing might not have worked out so much. But I think it's interesting that like the TV shows you watched when you came home indicated what you were going to be. And I think that's interesting advice too. like, look at the TV shows you like. I mean, if people like million dollar listing, maybe they should go into real estate. So I know your dad was in real estate. Did you ever consider growing up? Oh, I want to do what he's doing. Or did you kind of feel like with this judge thing? And, you know, obviously we'll talk more about your acting and theater. Did you always kind of repel that and say, I want to do my own thing? Um, my dad actually was not in real estate so much as he was in construction. So he ran a, a private construction company that did a lot of infrastructure from airports to bridges, highways, et cetera, casinos. And now that's become a huge public company. And, you know, he's had a lot of success in that arena. Where I grew up sort of being around that was watching him navigate some of those deals on the construction sites and deal with subcontractors and really dealing with like gigantic egos in that industry is absolutely male dominated. I would say 90% of the construction industry is dominated by men. So to kind of be a female growing up in that environment, I learned at a very early age that I was going to have to speak up to make my opinion heard and also have a little bit more grit. So I think I had that in spades as a kid because I grew up around a guy out in the field in construction, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think it makes sense that now you're the you know only woman on an all-male show and you've no problem with that because you grew up around that. Would you say that that is the greatest thing that, you know, your parents or your father taught you is that grit and being able to speak your mind? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think he knew he was teaching it to me. I think it was just innately where he came from. His parents were Armenian immigrants that came here when they were nine years old. And after the war, my dad grew up in Van Nuys with no money. Most of his friends either ended up in jail or went to the military, went to the military after school. And my dad ended up, you know, going to college, pursuing a career in construction, and of course had a ton of success doing that. But it wasn't without, you know, some really rough times, some up and down markets, you know, running his own business, going through bankruptcy, restarting again. And I think watching all of that sort of helped me develop a really strong sense of who I was and my ability to kind of come back from anything. Absolutely. That's incredible. So after, obviously, you're growing up, you're about to go to college, but I know you had a first job in high school that, you know, really influenced what you did later on. Would you mind telling me more about that first job? What was it? How did you like it? Who told you? I did my research. I did my research. I worked in the mall. I wanted to have a job so bad in high school. And my parents were like, you're, you're 15. You legally actually can't have a job. And I said, well, some of my friends do and they're 16 and they can get me into like this mall job. And I went to the Northridge Mall and most of the jobs at like Wet Seal and like all the little hot girl shops were taken. And so I sort of sauntered into a men's clothing store called DJ's Clothing for Men that sold suits. And when I say suits, guys, I mean like every color in the rainbow. You know, pinstripe, visualize it, if you will. And this was my first job that was sales and it was commission based. So if I sold five suits at the end of every week, I would get X doll. I, I can't remember what the bonus structure was, but I liked the idea that there was a bonus structure. So I would get my regular paycheck. And at the end of every week, however many suits I sold would equate to the bonus that I made. I really thrived in that environment because I'd be like, where am I this week? I only have to make 
X amount more in sales to achieve the bonus of 500 or whatever it is that I'm looking for. And when I would get that paycheck, the independence that I felt at 15 years old, purely from selling something, I realized that I had that skill set. And having the background in dancing and theater and the ability to kind of sell myself, it, it gave me the ability to kind of sell anything. And I think if you have that skill set, and I think most people by the time they're 20 years old know if they have the skill set, you know, it can be really advantageous in business. And I definitely had it and I knew it early on. So at this point, though, even though you know you can sell, you still have a very strong passion for theater and performing, and then you ultimately went to school for that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience and how you liked going to USC? Well, <laughs> it's going to get dark again here in a minute. Um, I, I learned a lot at USC. I learned sort of the art of semi-independence, which I think is crucial to kids that are, you know, turning 18 and have the ability to sort of separate from their parents. You've got these people watching over you so intently and making sure that you're going to succeed. And then all of a sudden you're like, let go into the universe and you're supposed to be able to survive. So from that standpoint, it was like a good release for me because I still sort of had and was managed a little bit by my parents, but I also had inexplicable freedom. And because of that, I went to class when I wanted to, I studied when I wanted to, and whatever happened while I was there was entirely on me. Couldn't blame it really on anything else. And once I had that kind of control in that environment, I didn't want to fail. You know, when we were in high school and like you didn't pass your math test, you kind of took it home, you had to show it to your parents and you didn't really give a shit. You just didn't want to be grounded so that you could go out on the weekend and see your friends. But when you're in college and it's not really about showing that grade to them anymore and it's about your own success and your own achievements, then all of a sudden that that becomes a little bit more important. So that was, you know, something that I learned just in college in the general sense. But I also studied theater at USC and sort of expanded, I guess, my knowledge of performing, et cetera. And, and that was a lot of fun. What they did not teach me at USC and particularly in the theater school, while I loved being a Trojan, was how to manage the business side of being in Hollywood, which is maybe more crucial to the success of an actor or anyone in that industry um, because it was tough. And you know, there's a lot of sleaze bags in that business, dare I say more than most. And so for me, I struggled with that piece of it because you can teach someone how to get on stage and put on a performance. But if you don't teach them how to get off the stage and manage their business, then they're just going to flail. And that's ultimately what happened to me after I graduated from SC. I went on a ton of auditions. I struggled for a little bit. And then ultimately I said to myself, this isn't going to work for me. I can't just flail and wait tables and go on auditions with the hope that one day I'll land a gig on Friends and be Jennifer Aniston. It's just, it's not realistic. And that's probably one of the few careers that you really have very little control over, you know, the opportunities that are presented to you. And then in addition to that, um, it's obviously one of the more vanity um, stricken uh, environments that you could be a part of. And that's when I decided to make the change and get into real estate. Again, I knew I was good in sales. Candidly, I didn't have a degree in anything else. So I figured I could take a test and sort that out. And I could find my way through Los Angeles real estate because I grew up here and I innately knew where I was and I had a network of people. And so there began my career in that business 21 some odd years ago. 
That's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing all that. How long were you trying to do the acting thing? And was there a specific situation that really opened your eyes and made you pivot? You know, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, was it a specific audition or something? No, it wasn't an audition, actually. I remember I was sitting in my dad's office, and at the time I had decided to quit waiting tables. It wasn't something that was like serving me and giving me any sort of inspiration. And so I started working in like the human resources department of my dad's company. And I got a phone call from one of my best friends that went to film school at USC, and she had just landed a massive TV show. So she had been on set for like a month, and it was going to be brilliant. And I was like, how is it? She called on like her lunch break. And she was like, man, it's show business, all right. And I was like, what? And I'm like, aren't you just like... We've always wanted to be like a working actor. Like we never cared about being famous. We just always were like... If we could just act and be actually paid for it, that was enough for us. We never strived to have like fame and all of that shit. We just wanted to be able to do what we loved and make a living at it. So that was the, that was where I was coming from. And she just crushed my dream and said like, it's, it's not like that at all. It's the opposite of that. I go to work every day. I show up. There's no creative process. We have to stand on our mark, have our makeup done, deliver our lines, make sure that we're not too much or too little. And, you know, that's kind of how my day is going. I'm just, I'm uninspired. And I was like, oh my God, it, it crushed me. And I went home and I was like, I just, this is what I'm striving for. I mean, she was supposed to have hit the pinnacle of what, I had always wanted. And we were so close growing up that I, I trusted her experience implicitly and, and we were similar. So as it related to what I wanted, I immediately knew in that moment, if I sit and do this for another 10 years to land that gig, to be miserable, for me, I was like, screw this. Yeah, it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. I mean, honestly, nice that you had like a guinea pig of sorts to go in there and try it and see and tell you, hey, I don't think that this is great for me or great for you. So you're working with your dad, you're going on auditions. How do you figure out what's next? Are you thinking, oh, when I was, you know, in my teens, I was really good at selling. Are you thinking, oh, I really love people from college. What is that thought process of what's that next career move for me? How can I figure out if it's not this acting thing, what is the next thing? You know what? When you're when you're 22 years old or 23 years old, you know what you do? You go out with your friends, you sort it out, you smoke a little pot, you know, you have a glass of wine and you sit around and you say, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? And it's super stressful. And for like those 20 somethings that have that parent that's hovering over them, that's like, you better get into Yale, Harvard, and now you have to go to business school and you need to be interning in the summer. Like, all of this pressure amounts to absolutely nothing. Maybe 20 years ago it mattered, but I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't as much today, and I'm sure your parents are going to hate me for this, but it's the absolute truth. And so for me, it really is more about just being in that moment, recognizing where you are, honoring that truth, whether you're 22, 25, 35, or 65, and just sort of being present and, and being like, I don't have the answers. I don't know what they are. I've just got to figure out how to find something that I'm passionate about and go back to what you're good at, right? Like for me, I knew I was good at sales. Now, I didn't know shit about real estate, but I knew that I could sell things. I could sell myself. I could sell suits in a mall at 15. I can certainly sell homes. And that's how the process began. And again, like a little bit of weed, a little bit of wine, you sort it out with your friends and you move on. 
I love it. Lean on your support system. That's some great advice, especially in your 20s. We're all just figuring it out for sure. So then you ended up, like you said, you knew you were good at sales. You're working with your dad. And then you ended up getting this great gig in your mid-20s. Like you said, it was in real estate. How did you find the gig? What did you think of it? I know you ultimately stayed there for quite a while. So how did you land such a great job at the time? Or maybe you didn't even know that you were going to be there for as long as you were. I, I absolutely didn't. I walked into an office that was at the corner of Sunset Do and Doheny. It was a boutique agency called Dalton Brown and Long. And I sat down with the manager of the office and I said a little bit about my life, my history, where I came from. And, you know, he asked me a bunch of questions and he said, where do you see yourself for the next year? And I said, well, I need to make $90,000 a year to really survive. And he laughed and he said to me, well, most real estate agents make about 30 grand in their first two years. And I said, well, that's not me. I won't survive. And he said, you're hired. And then I made $30,000 for the next two years. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you just decided you were just going to make it work. I mean, when you were in it and you knew you weren't hitting those big commission checks, what made you stick with it when it, what times were hard? I think a lot of the times when you're in your twenties, the jobs don't pay that well. So how did you know to stick with it and know that it was something you could be really good at? Because I knew I was good again at the sales piece. And so it was really more about taking the first couple of years and learning the ins and outs of the actual job. And that's something I didn't know. And my 20-something my self and my ego was talking to me saying, you got this, you're connected, you know people, you went to USC, you're great. Like, you could do this in spades. How, how hard is it to show houses? Well, I realized pretty quickly that, you know, most people that have a massive asset that they want to sell don't trust a 23 or 24-year-old to do it for them. It takes experience. It takes leverage. It takes a real understanding of the industry. And it's taken me 21 years to earn that trust from these people because I did go to them with an ego at 24 years old and say, hey, you've got a house to sell. I know it's 20 million. And again, back in the day, 20 million was an enormous number. I just didn't know any better. And I, I don't know if the ego got in my way, I think it probably taught me quite a bit about the difference between ego versus confidence. And today, I think I just have an inner confidence because I understand and I know my skills, you know, and I always will tell people who don't to pretend that you do. And I think that's the difference between someone who's 20 and someone who's 45. You got to kind of fake it until you make it a little bit. You really do have to put out that energy, obviously with the openness to learn, but it's only your authenticity your work ethic, and your ability to connect with people that are going to separate you from the rest. That's such good advice. So that leads me perfectly into our, our final question. I know you shared lots of gems for 20-something so far in this conversation. If you could say one thing to every 20-something in the world, what advice would you give them? I would say don't listen to the noise. Live your truth right now. Live the experience of being 20. Make mistakes. Don't be afraid of them. Now is the time you can. You have no responsibility other than to yourself. Forget what your parents have sort of aligned up for you and, and just live your truth because I promise you the day that you get married and have children and you have people to take care of and bills to pay and a, a mortgage to handle and insurance to cover, if you don't have that life experience where you got to live your truth in your 20s and have a great time and screw up and fail and learn how to recover from that failure, you're not going to be a successful 45-year-old. 
I love that. That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And you're a walking example of that, that you figure it out and you make it. And I, I do have one personal question before we get into the Q&A with everyone else. Obviously, your personality, you're so confident. You're so ambitious. Um, you're on Million Dollar Listing now as the as the only woman. What is your advice for 20-somethings who are probably the youngest in the room? And then maybe more specifically, if they're the only woman in the room. I would say order my book from Amazon called Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word. Love it. <laughs> I actually wrote the book for that reason. I really honestly believe that is exactly what my book is about. And I wrote it with the intent. And originally when I spoke with my editor about it, I was like, listen, I know you think this book is for women my age that have been divorced or coming back into a career path. I really believe this book needs to be for women that are in college, that are coming out of college, that are lost, that feel like they're supposed to get married at 25 and have kids by 28. And it's a white picket fence and a financial advisor for a husband and, you know, trips to Maui every summer. And that's just not everybody's path. And I really wanted girls who are coming out of high school and going into college to have someone that they admire that is successful and taking care of herself and being able to do all the things that I think we all want to do, but that isn't on that traditional path anymore. I wish that I had someone saying that to me when I was 20. And that's a lot of why we started this show too, you know, like to bring people like you to everyone to share your insights. And I'm just going to share too the, the line after your book. It's called fear is just a four letter word, how to develop the unstoppable confidence to own any room. So um, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. And we'll obviously put the book in our show notes and all of that good stuff. All right. Well, now it's time for the Q&A portion of our show. As a reminder, we will take a few questions from the audience. All right, Lindsay, come on up. Hi. First of all, um, Tracy, I loved your energy. It was just amazing hearing you speak. And I really enjoyed everything you said. I have a question about how you specifically chose real estate. You said you knew you were really good at sales, but I feel like there are so many different avenues you could have gone with that. So what was it about real estate? Did you think you could make the most money in that field or you like nice houses? Yeah, I'll tell you again, because I had a background in theater and I had an, you know, an undergrad education that really wasn't financial. <laughs> I, it wasn't like I could I'd go into finance or, you know, there, there weren't as many opportunities that felt comfortable for me in an environment that particularly living in Los Angeles, growing up in a luxury market like Los Angeles, it felt more attainable for me. I didn't sit down have a college advisor advising me or my family advising me on this. I I literally sat with my girlfriends. I drank some wine and said, what the hell am I going to do if I'm not going to act anymore? And they were like, you could sell real estate. And I was like, you know what? I could. I mean, it's just houses, right? And then once I started exploring that, it kind of became something that I recognized that it was attainable for me. I'm not saying I was, I wasn't reaching for the stars. I wasn't trying to go back to college or get any sort of masters in anything. I just, I wanted to earn a living at something that I felt was 
attainable for me and natural and something that I actually felt like I could enjoy, which was, again, stemmed from sales. I liked the idea of being in a room and being able to talk to someone and say, I really, truly think that this is the right house for you based on the following ideologies and and actually win that. You know, and also I think, you know, my experience of wanting to, you know, be a judge and, and, you know, having a passion for decision making, that sort of leaned into it as well for me because I knew that I had a, a good sales energy about myself, but I also knew that I had the ability to be convincing in an argument. It's clearly worked out. And, and do you feel like you hadn't liked real estate? You would have just switched the sales thing you were doing. Like if real estate didn't work out after a few years, you probably would have just been like, okay, I'm good at sales. I'll now switch to selling, you know, clothes or selling whatever the next thing would be. Sold shoes. I could have gone back to suits. I mean, who knows? But I definitely knew that that was the environment that I wanted to be in. and, And that's where I was going to, I guess, feel the most naturally inclined. And that's what I would say to like a lot of you guys out there that are just trying to figure out what path to take. I mean, obviously I knew that I had the ability to sell high-end real estate because I lived in a in Los Angeles where it's all around me. If I was in an environment where I had, you know, $200,000 homes and my average commission was going to be somewhere in the ballpark of $6,000, that may have not been the avenue that I, I would have taken. So those are the things that I considered. But um, again, I think you have to first examine innately what you are good at and what you are confident at and then the open up the doors to the different opportunities that might be in front of you. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. All right. We've got another speaker request. Let's see. C, come on up. Thank you so much. Tracy, thank you for sharing how, you know, you toughened up, you spoke your mind. That's awesome. And I know it's been a hard road. It it has to be. Can you speak more to your grit? And especially at this time when Sometimes people can feel like a victim. You know, I know I'm sure as being with a group of guys, you know, you've had to figure out how to continue to rise to the top. Maybe speak to how you handle some of those situations. Um, thanks for that question. I, I, I think that that's probably one of the, the harder things to get through. I think particularly being a female in the business that I'm in is, you know, I'm going to always win some, I'm going to lose some. And you have to be graceful in your loss, but you also have to recognize what that loss is about. And I think sort of honoring those moments and allowing yourself to feel the failure is part of what I think gives you the grit to recover from it. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I didn't really give it a hundred percent. So I'm not really that upset about it. You know, it's not really something I wanted to do. And the truth is you did. And unfortunately, they chose someone else or you didn't make the cut or, or you know what I mean? And when you choose not to acknowledge that failure, then success is never going to be as sweet. And obviously, I've had a ton of failure in my life because I believe in, you know, I don't believe in walking around the pool and looking for like the deep spot and where is it the safest place to jump in. I generally look over the edge and I go, yep, that looks deep. I think I'm going to give it a shot and dive. Right. And I think when you are young, and again, this speaks to the audience here, you have the ability to do that. You might hit your head on the bottom of the pool a couple of times. Maybe you get some stitches, but you know what? You're not going to die and you're going to come back from it. 
And it also speaks to women that are a little bit older and have been through divorces and feel like I, you know, I let go of my career. I married this man and I gave up and I had children and now he doesn't love me anymore. He had an affair and now it's now I have to figure out what to do at 40 and I lost my career. I don't have that anymore and I have to start over. That's really friggin' difficult. So A, don't do that. Don't lose yourself. Don't lose your career. Don't give up on what you love to do because stuff doesn't always last a lifetime. And if you don't take care of yourself independently of your personal relationships and those personal relationships come to an end somewhere along the road, you better have some grit to be able to recover from that or you're just not going to. And that's not a place I think any of us want to be. Sorry to, sorry to be like so dark about that, but it, it's just truth. It's real. No, I mean, that's why you're here. I, I really appreciate it. Do you have any practices that you go back to when maybe times do get tough? Maybe you feel like you have failed that help bring you back to yourself and ground you? Like, is it journaling? Is it going to therapy? Is it talking to your friends and drinking wine like you talked about? What are those practices that like work for you that help you recover from those setbacks? I mean, I always ask myself a few questions. I ask myself, what didn't work in this scenario? Why didn't it work? And, and how can I make it better, right? But on top of that, I do think, you know, it's really important when you're sort of recognizing your failures or what hasn't, ha what isn't working in that moment to figure out what you can do in the meantime to not let yourself spiral. I think so many people, when they fail, it's like this never-ending spiral of like vomiting on yourself and being negative. And it only can go so far. I say give yourself 24 hours to have absolute autonomy to be an asshole and recognize how upset you are about a particular failure, whether you didn't get a job or you know, you failed some horrific test or you didn't pass the bar, you know, whatever it is, honor it, feel those feelings and then wake up the next morning and move the hell on because there is no grit and there is no future in remaining sitting in your own shit. Forgive me for saying that, but you really can't feel sorry for yourself that long. So I say, give yourself 24 hours to honor it and then be ready to pick yourself off the floor and do whatever you have to do. For me, sometimes it's doing mundane tasks. Like I, I'm an organizer. I love to reorganize my Dropbox. I know it's stupid. But for me, like taking my head, taking myself out of that, I call it, you know, spinning or I, I call it TikToking where I'm like, I go to bed and I'm still TikToking about what the heck happened that day or what negative piece like is, is not allowing me to live in the moment. And I'll try to do a mundane task to take myself out of that emotional space and, of course, sort of refocus my energy. And so if you allow yourself that 24 hours, then wake up the next morning, do your sort of morning ritual, and then do something that is completely mundane so that you start your day uh, with sort of a different reality than, you know, what yesterday was. Yeah, I think the 24 hours plus mundane tasks is the foolproof solution. That's amazing. All right. Well, we have another question from Greg. I also have to say, Tracy, when you said TikToking, I thought you were going to say your mundane task is scrolling through TikTok. And I was about to be, wow, very impressive. She says she's on TikTok. <laughs> but no, no, you're TikToking. I got you. Okay. Um, perfect. We'll bring our next guest up, Greg. Hi, Tracy. Uh, hey, Greg. First off, thanks for being here. 
I'm a huge fan of Million Dollar Listing. So it's been really, really cool to listen to you and kind of get to know your story and get to know more about you outside of the show. Thank um, you. But kind of more of a, a lighthearted question, uh, just out of curiosity, I was wondering how that opportunity to be on that show came about. And especially with your acting background, if you've kind of enjoyed it, um, sort of becoming a, a reality TV star and and uh, that whole experience. Yeah, that. thank you for asking that. Never in a million years did I think I would land on a reality show or be on TV like entering my 40s. I mean, what an aha moment, right? Because in my 20s, I never really felt like I fit into any one label in Hollywood. I wasn't the pretty girl. I wasn't really the funny girl. I was like a little bit of each and kind of awkward. And I couldn't really find my space there. So to kind of come back and be on television and obviously be the only female on a show like Million Dollar Listing was really like a full circle moment for me. And granted, it isn't so much acting, but to be on camera again, it felt right. You know, turning 40 and where I was in my life at the time that I joined the cast, I was like, you know what? I'm in a place in my life where I'm comfortable and I'm confident in my career. I'm good where I am with my kids. I want to do something for me and I want to take a risk. And even though I'm 40 and I have, you know, kids and a husband and I'm making this, I'm taking this risk to do this, this show about real estate, I felt like it was time and it was my moment. And had I done it in my 20s, I'm not sure where it would have taken me, but I can assure you, I probably wouldn't have the career that I have now. So everything happens for a reason. And obviously my path took me back to television and I'm having a very good time doing it. I do like being the female on the show. I like representing women in business and I like sort of challenging the different circumstances that we're in. And, you know, the ideologies that, you know, we're all accustomed to that I want to, you know, perhaps buck the system a little bit. And so to have a voice like that, and to have these conversations and be able to speak my truth and and be challenged, but also be confident in it. I welcome your opinions. I welcome what you guys have to say. And, and even if it challenges my views, but I'm going to continue to speak my mind because I think that someone has to. Yeah. And it's so cool that it did come full circle, like you said, that You know, you never know how your path in your 20s is going to present itself later. Even you doing your sales stuff when you were 16, how could you have known that that would be what you made your career out of? So all the skills that you're accumulating along the way may show up at later times. Tracy, do you have any final words for us? Well, dear 20-something audience, I wish you all the best. I had a great time in my 20s. I think that you guys should too. I think this is a great place to sort of on fireside, be able to voice your opinions, be able to challenge what the status quo is. And, you know, I applaud you guys and you're lucky enough to be able to have things like this, to be able to share these kinds of thoughts and ideas because I didn't have it growing up and I certainly didn't have it in my twenties. So congratulations to you guys and just keep doing you. Well, we're just grateful that you're here and chatting with us. You know, it's it's a two-way street. We're so grateful that you've joined us. And thank you again for such a fascinating conversation. Could you let everyone know where they can follow you on social media? And then, of course, like I said, we're definitely going to link your book in the show notes because I know a lot of us are going to want to read that after the show. Well, you guys can follow me on TikTok. I'm just kidding. <laughs> ha 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 ha. 
<laughs> so I actually do have a TikTok, but there's like two videos on there. It's my daughter's. I'm on Instagram. That's probably my most prevalent social media channel. And it's very simple. It's just at Tracy Tudor. Um, if you all need any real estate, uh, tracytudor.com. And you can find my book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, on Amazon.com. Incredible. Well, let's manifest we all are, you know, buying big, big real estate very soon. You yeah. know, so <laughs> we'll be coming to you. Yes. Good for you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Tracy. Um, if you guys enjoyed this conversation, please go give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram and subscribe, rate and review anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks again, everyone. Have an awesome rest of your night. Thanks, Tracy.